Like, no, there is a ton of moral fortitude and strength in this organ. And, and I just said, well, how could I say no to these guys? And, and then obviously combine that with Rackspace is a phenomenal brand. Like, and, and those of us in IT, we've known them for a long time. And, and I'm thinking, damn, we can fix this. Like we can get after this and fix it with focus, dedication, hard work, and, and making customers successful. Well, folks, welcome back to another episode of Cloud Talk. I'm your host, Jeff Deverter. And in this episode, I got to have a conversation with Brian Lilly. Now, Brian is currently the president of the Rackspace Private Cloud Business Unit, but he comes to Rackspace with a wealth, a lifetime of experience, as well as some incredible education. You're going to learn all about both of those things, as well as more about the man, the individual behind all of those accomplishments. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Now, of course, stick around to the end. I've got some thoughts about the episode as well as some updates for you. So until then, check out this episode with Brian Lilly. The line between application and infrastructure is virtually invisible in these modern apps. The kind of thing that a global computing fabric with immense resilience and scale can deliver without even breaking the sweat. That's really what the promise of the cloud's always been. It's all focused on the business objectives. That's where we craft the plan. In the tech world, we like to celebrate the lone genius, but I'm just going to tell you right now, they're just the convenient face as founders to focus on. Welcome to Cloud Talk. Here's your host, Jeff DeVerter. So, um, so Brian, you just you, you said some really nice things about Rackspace. It's iconic brands. It's it's heritage in the in in the U.S. as well as in the world. Um, we we have to assume, of course, that that the board took good care of you coming into here. But let's let's just set that aside for a second. Why Rackspace at this point in your career? Because it is we're it's in the middle of this turnaround, which means uh, you can equate turnaround into a lot of work. Um, you're signing up for a lot of work at a point in your career where not a lot of people are looking for a lot of work. I'm not saying you're old. I'm just saying you've yeah, done a I'm, lot I'm, of things. I'm trying hard not to take that personally, but okay. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, no, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. And, and just so you know, um, y- yes, you know, financially they, they – and I didn't want to set that aside because the majority of what I'm doing I'm going to be giving away. I have a thing called the Lilly Family Foundation, and um, and and so uh, so that's not what's driving me. The mo- the money's not driving me, although working for causes does. Yeah, and uh, in fact, I've been told that I have a pathological desire to help people, and <laughs> and and, uh, and I thought, wow, pathological, but. Um, but yeah, yeah, that could be taken I, one of two ways. But yeah, exactly. No, but it's it's really. Like to 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 those where much has been given, much is expected, and yeah. you know. And my my story is a is a is an interesting one. But the net net is is I came here because Rackspace is an iconic brand. Rackspace is or was an iconic company. Yeah, and and I think because of some decisions made, and and by the way, not out of mismanagement, more, you know, a wrong decision or a, a decision that didn't pan out the way that was expected. The market shifts uh, under your feet. There yeah, are a million the reasons. Shifts. Who, who saw those hyperscalers, you know, 15 years ago that, 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 so anybody it's, it's, it's hindsight is 2020, but, but having said that there is no reason why we can't by refocusing and, and reclaiming who we could be best in the world at. And, and that is absolutely private cloud. We can be the best in the world at private cloud. And I think the fact that we're multi-cloud, because we have been building this muscle over the last few years towards helping customers migrate to the public cloud, yeah. we now become multi-cloud. But, but what that created was a gap in our... Uh, ability or not in our ability, a gap in our roadmap, in our vision yeah. for private cloud yep. that I think by us lifting that up 
combining it with the muscle of the public cloud that we've learned, we can become the best multi-cloud pure play provider out there. And my portion of that is to be the best ambassador I can be for Rackspace. Yeah. It's to build, rebuild, re-energize the private cloud side of the equation. Yep. And it's to bring in, you know, world-class athletes who had the same feeling I did, which is, yeah, what happened? Okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's rebuild it. That's awesome. All right. So folks, you're listening to this. You're hearing Brian Lilly, who, whose title is president of uh, the Rackspace private cloud here at Rackspace. We divide up the, the company really into two primary go-to-market motions, one around helping companies that are in the public cloud and then helping those in the private. And the guy you're hearing right now is, is the one in charge of that whole story around the private cloud. But in order, I think, to, to understand this best is to let's go back to the beginning because there's a lot that was said, and I think we need to we need to build that foundation so that folks understand where that foundation is. And it goes back to the Air Force, Brian. Uh, in fact, you foolishly or w smartly posted your ID from from the uh, from, from uh, online from the from the U.S. Uh, Air Force. And you did some interesting things there, but Brian. <laughs> You haven't had hair for a really long time. A really long time. So it really starts with the anger over my uh, mother's father for being bald. But no, uh, in, in, in truth, because you've got that perfectly quaffed executive hair. So, um, so I, I actually would start just a little bit earlier even than the Air Force, if okay. I can, if just 30 seconds. Yeah. So, so, you know, my real last name isn't Lily. My real last name is O'Connell. I'm an Irishman, Brian O'Connell. Wow. And my father was an auditor in Alameda County in California, and he died when I was nine. Mm. And my mom remarried multiple times, and the last person she married was Lily. And each time I had a, a different name. So I've had multiple names. Then my mother died when I was 19. So the net net is, is I understand serving your country – but also them helping you pave the way by paying for school. I had an Air Force scholarship, yeah. paying for books, tuition, all that. I will forever be grateful hmm. to uh, our government, to our armed forces, to the United States Air Force for giving me that shot. So I, I really wanted to start there because, uh, you know, that opportunity really, uh, I think education is the key. And it's, uh, it's gotten me, I think, where I am today, because in that Air Force role, uh, I was in space technology, space environmental physics. Really early days from a, a space as far as the military is concerned. Very pre yeah, especially, it's, especially in bringing it to the warfighter, uh, because I was in during Desert Storm, and, and as we were gleaning information and providing communications and GPS early days, we were actually providing that information into the field and, and, mm. and really understanding needs. And this goes back to sort of roadmap creation, the needs of the users and mapping that back to the technology and the operations we could provide. Uh, it started when I was 23 years old back mm. then. Uh, and then, you know, my last job there was a commander of a communication squadron. And it was in that role where I was doing, think of it as almost like a CIO role for the base and for the function there in Sunnyvale, uh, I got a master's degree at night in telecom. And, and the connection to people, to my team, and, and this is why I love Rackspace so much, is I would go to class at night and then I'd go back to the knock and be stripping cables with, and I'm a captain. <laughs> work. And I'm a, I'm a captain and I'm stripping cables with an airman first class and plugging it into crypto. But this guy knew more about comms and more about what was going on than I would ever know. Yeah. And, and so the, 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 you know, the commander was being taught. So I think teachers are everywhere. And again, that whole uh, career set me, set me into a career in IT and, and ultimately leadership. Well, then as you, as yeah, and, and as we, we go a little bit forward now in your career, I mean, it takes you to SGI and you're, you're very much working that networky sort of space uh, for them. And, um, you know, starting as director, senior director, uh, you start to move into the app space inside of there as well, it seemed, where you made that transition from all things networking to now starting to look at what's running on that network. 
Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's exactly, it's a good summary. When I came out of the, the service, uh, SGI was the first uh, organization and I did start a network running the network for what is now the Google campus. That used to be the SGI really? campus. And the SGI campus, when, when they were struggling, they ended up selling it to Goldman and Goldman turned around and sold it to, to Google. So my team was building out all the telecom infrastructure for what is now the, the Google campus that was featured in the intern and all that stuff. Um, uh, and that was very much networking. Well, I had two dreams at that point that I wanted to accomplish. One was to live and work in Europe. And I thought I had missed my opportunity with the Air Force by getting out. And the second was to attend Stanford University. And so, so I get a call from the senior director out in Europe and he says, hey, Brian, I'd like you to come out to Europe, live in Switzerland and run IT for SGI across Europe from South Africa to the Nordics. And I said, sign me up, baby. So I went out, I was out there for 1998 to 2000. Um, and, you know, the big project was Y2K and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I remember those days. But we got really close, the infrastructure, because it was a smaller team, we got really close between infrastructure and apps. Mm -hmm. So a project, as an example, would be to, how do you run a commissioner's financial structure? How do you make that happen in the systems? So, and, and that was a very much of a business-driven program, but IT was the enabler. And so it was when I returned and they said, what job do you want to have? I had a great CIO mentor who said, if you ever want to be a CIO, try and manage all the functions. And the one function I had it managed by name was applications. And so I told the CIO, I said, whatever you want me to do, I'll do, but I'd love it to be in the application space. He goes, perfect. I have, I have a job for you. And that's when I became the head of enterprise apps. So you built, you know, you built this great team of, of and camaraderie between the networking teams and the apps teams. And it, it just, it created that bridge for you. Easy step it, to move in. It did. It created a partnership, which I think IT, the best IT teams, yes, they have talent, but they have business partnership. And, yeah. and without that, it's, uh, you know, IT for IT's sake is silly. Right. Well, and it's a pretty it's a pretty boring existence. In my, as I think about my meetings that I've had today, um, you know, one of the things that that came up is by the time this comes out, we'll have Rackspace has some research where we'll be releasing every quarter. We put out research, and uh, and this quarter it's all about um, aspects of cloud modernization, be it public or private cloud. And what we found in this latest batch of of research is that one. Private cloud is alive and well, as these IT leaders, over 1,400 of them in 10 different countries, are saying that their private, not only their public cloud place uh, in the world, but also their private cloud increases by almost double digits. And, and I think that it's, that's really important. But when they reflect, and we see this through their answers in the questionnaire, on their cloud modernization journey, and when it doesn't fail, it's because of a lack of of connection to the business itself. In fact, they see it the way it was worded was um, was those cross-functional barriers. And what that tells me is there are silos and, and ultimately that is a failure of leadership. In fact, when they ask the question, answer the question of who makes the decision for modernization in your organization and runs these teams, IT was first, the C-suite was second, vendors were third, not a partner. Mm -hmm. Not wow. whatever. And the business units were like fourth or fifth, sixth down down the line. I don't remember exactly their place, but I was really sad. And only 25% really included them in the process. And it's no wonder wow. there were cost overruns, there were schedule overruns, and there was questions about their what they're getting out of it. Yeah, people, I, you know, the, the business, we shouldn't be in the business, I mean, unless you're an IT company providing these services, but your yeah. business should be, you know, building those widgets or providing that service or whatever. You're in the and business IT, for your business. And that's right. And IT is a key, key partner and enabler, but it's not the business. And so, so, but that partnership, you never want to be an order taker. I used to say this as a CIO. I never want to be a CIO where where I just thought, oh, if you go there, they're always the no guy. Um, yeah. But I also don't want to be just an order taker. So it's it's truly, you know, carving out that seat at the table and and making sure that the business priorities are understood and and get oxygen first. Yeah. And that IT and technology and those things that are enablers 
are then aligned to it. And so to me, it's alignment. It's, a, you know, cutting through the silos with a very aligned um, set of initiatives, uh, which really drive the transformation. So, so if we come back to the present for just a second, folks, we're recording this on June 1st. Brian, when was your first day at Rackspace? Uh, it was late January 2023. Yeah. 2023. So let's call that five and a half months. It was last week that Four you sent. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm bad with math. So, um, so, but but it was just last week, folks, that that Brian announced some major changes in how he's how uh, in his and how you plan to take this your world to market and how you plan to organize, how you plan to drive from a from a business perspective the tech that's going to come to that uh, in a company that is move trying to move as fast as possible. You definitely, I don't want to say you took your time, but you took thoughtful time. And I think that substantiates the statement that you just made. You built a partnership with your team so that they could absorb the changes that are coming. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. You know, the, the changes that we put into place, you know, start with the customer. Yeah. We, we have to really align with, around, et cetera, the customer. And what the customers have been telling us, and these, you know, it's played out in your research, is how do we align to what they need from, a, and now again, at, at Rackspace, we're a multi-cloud. Yes, so exactly. it's almost like the first conversation with them should be, help us understand how we can help you with your transformation, help you be successful. It's not... Let me sell you some private cloud stuff. That's not the approach. It should, it's always should start around them. And then you double click in because they say, you know what? I really am thinking about a private AI cloud uh, for my business. And I, I, I'm not going to go with the hyperscalers on that particular part of the infrastructure. It's a double click now into what can you do for me in that area? And yes, we can do that. So the, the reorganization that I've tried to build starts with, do we have the right products and services, not only now, but going forward? So are we skating to where the puck is going, yeah. not to where it was? And so I had to rethink product and services strategy and align resources around that. That was really important because that's what the customers are asking. The second big change was uh, to really consolidate all the go-to-market functions into an organization that is purely living and aimed at the customer and, and bringing that together under one cohesive leader. Uh, and then finally, it's how do you take customer success, service delivery, operations, all those other things, and, and make them the best at what they do uh, across that organization in response to what the customers are asking, those were the other changes. And what's nice is, is the leaders see it. They uh, participate in it deeply and, and they've really embraced it. And we, you know, we discussed it today again in our internal, we had, you know, over 1400 people attend this call. And so everybody is excited about it. And then we have functional ones that follow where each of those new leaders are going to talk to it. Because communication, transparency, openness, like it's, it's, that's the way to be. It's how I'm wired and it's how I lead. So, uh, so yeah, it's, you know, I'm really excited about the days ahead. This episode of Cloud Talk is sponsored by Cisco App Dynamics. Technical environments are getting more complex and Cisco App Dynamics is helping to cut through the noise. Their full stack observability solutions help make every tech decision a business decision and keep everyone all on the same page. App Dynamics software enables deeper understanding of both user and application behavior so that your teams can see, share, and take action all in real time. Just go to appdynamics.com to learn more, schedule a live demo, or even start a 15-day free trial to see the difference for yourself that Cisco App Dynamics can make in your mission-critical applications. All right, with that, let's get back to the program. And again, I'll go back to the, the data that we're, we're seeing, and we're seeing we're seeing transformations inside of other organizations fail because of lack of communication. Obviously, you have to have a vision. There has to be a plan. Has to be solid, but but that doesn't stop there. You have to bring everybody along for the ride, and they have to sign up to be on that. Each individual has to sign up for that. 
Completely. Yeah. So as you uh, you finish up at SGI, it looks like maybe Verisign is next, but that's where we really start to see the the executive titles start to slide into your into your um, behind your name there as far as what you're doing. So you've you know you you start you're, you're you're stripping cables with Airman First Class. You're now now you're you're leading larger organizations. So. Um, and it's and not even just inside of before it was networking, then it became the application space. Now you're running the project management office. It looks like one of the, the areas as well. The PMO, we're dealing with corporate strategy and, uh, and information systems. Now, question I have for you is where does this fall in the whole educational you know, state? Have you gotten your master's at this point? Have you made it down to Stanford at this point by the time you're moving over to Verisign? Yeah, no, an awesome question because it does, you're like, well, wait a minute, there was a left turn in there. So the, the, the short story is, is when, um, when I went to VeriSign, uh, they, they actually looked at my resume and all the things that we had to accomplish at SGI to actually save the company. They said, they literally put my resume on the table and they said, we want you to do that here. Over here. So yeah. it, it became very clear. So I came over as a VP of apps. And, and really, I was the business and apps owner in IT. Um, there was no CIO, so I was the senior most IT person. But I was basically driving a business transformation project with uh, a set of people that, by the way, are now all, almost all of them are CIOs in Silicon Valley. Uh, my team that I built, Chris Beatty. He's the CIO at ServiceNow. Sriram Thiagarajan is the CIO at Ancestry.com. Uh, uh, Millen Vogley, Millen Vogley, CIO at Equinix, Greg Ogle, Amar Al Arabati are VPs at Equinix. So that the the team was just rock star. Craig Lazowski is the head of uh, tech and trust at Nextdoor. So so we did that, and and then they started to give me infrastructure. They said, "Hey, we see you had network and data center. We're going to give you some stuff." So they started piling stuff in again. No, first by your own success, you did good. Let's give you more. What, let's give you more. So, so, so then I, I was starting to think, you know, I really want to change the vowel. I no longer want to be a CIO. Yeah. I want to be a CEO. Ooh. And remember, I said, and remember, I said there were two goals in my life. There was live and work in Europe and attend yep. Stanford. Check. So about, so about three uh, years in, I applied to Stanford Business School to a program called the Sloan program to become a fellow at Stanford Business School. And I got Incredible. accepted. And so people, I went... How many people in that program? 53. Wow. Yeah. So I went, I went and they're from all over the world. So cool. I have friends all over the world from that program. But, but um, I went to my boss and I said, hey, I'm going to go do this. I saved the money. And he says, no, 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 we'll pay. Uh, when you come back, well, we just need you to owe us two years. I said, great deal. Great yeah. deal. So I, I go to I go to Stanford, I come back, and the CEO says, Go find yourself a job. And I go, okay. And and so I went around and I talked to people in product. They said, Hey, you could work here. I talked to sales. Um, I talked to multiple. I came back and I'm sitting in front of the CEO and he looked distracted. And I go, well, you know, you're not even listening, dude. Like, what what is going on? He goes, Yeah, yeah, those are all great jobs, but I have something I want you to do. I'm like, you could have saved me. I just did that in the beginning. Why don't you just tell me? And so he goes, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the organization from a business unit structure and we're going to tip it on its side and go functional. Hmm. And, and he says, you're the person, he said two things. He said, you're the person that people trust um, because, you know, you know, no skin in the game, all that stuff, especially. And two, you've run big programs, big yeah. Oracle programs, big transformation programs. So, so that's where I was the head of the PMO and corporate strategy was to reorganize VeriSign. Um, I had to tip 5,000 employees on their side into the new buckets uh, and, and, and drive that. Well, in the middle of that, we acquired a company called Encode Wireless. And I'm still convinced to this day we bought them because of we wanted the CEO, John Donovan, yeah. amazing guy. He comes in to be our head of sales and services. And what happened is, is he goes, hey, Brian, I, I was teeing up decisions for him to make around product coverage, geo coverage, sales leaders, da, da, da. He goes, I want you to run sales operations for me so that I'm going to go out and talk to customers. Yeah. 
And I need someone here that can run the show while I'm gone. And so that's how I moved then into sales ops is he just asked me to do it. And what's important about this is two mentors. John Donovan became number two. He ended up leaving VeriSign after I left to become number two at AT AT&T. Number two. And the other one was on the product uh, and marketing and uh, side. And he was Mark McLaughlin. Mark became the CEO of Palo Alto Networks and then is still the chairman of the board of Qualcomm. And these two gentlemen were shining lights for me. And when... And, and we had a CEO turnover, a lot of stuff. And, and they said, Brian, what would you like to do? And I said, well, what are you guys doing? They said, we're leaving. I said, I'm leaving. And it was then that Equinix called. Right. So that's my story at Verisign. That's pretty incredible. I was wondering how that whole shift happened from, you know, I, you start with looking at somebody in networking, and then it, it's unusual to make a shift to over into the application side, but people could very easily and have very easily gotten stuck in there. And stuck is a bad word. They've, they've had thriving careers there. They just haven't made the, the big step. But it drives me towards a question I'm curious about. I get a lot of folks who will come to me and they'll, they'll want to, you know, they, they want a little coaching is what they'll want. And and a lot of times they're asking for the easy button. The easy button is not going back to school, stopping working and going back to school. And so it, it almost seems like a question that doesn't need asking, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Talk to me about a person's career and when they need to kind of stop what they're doing, and go back to school, go get some more knowledge. It doesn't mean you didn't get enough. It just means there's more to be done. Maybe you could, you could unpack that for a little bit. Maybe take us into your mindset of, obviously you wanted to go to Stanford, so you're looking for a reason. Yeah. And we can see where that made an impact in your career. Yeah. I, 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 so first of all, I think almost everything in my life starts with mentors. I, I give, you know, I always say there, but for the grace of God, go I. And I also say that I am so grateful for the mentors in my life and mentors being different than coaches where Mm -hmm. coaches help you discover things you already know, whereas mentors actually help pave the way and sort of give you, uh, give you direct advice. Um, One of the mentors said to me once, John Igo, he ended up running real estate and facilities at Google and, but he was, he was in the air force and he went to Stanford and he was in my, my wife's parents wedding. Actually, he's that he's, he's much older than me. And but what he said was this. He said, Brian, he asked me a simple question. He said, where do you want to be in five years? Mm. He goes, okay, where do you want to be in 10 years? He said, when, when you start to think that way, it, it just changed my mindset because it said, you know, when I was in the Air Force, I had no idea that I was going to be a CIO one day. But, but as I became the communication squadron commander, I realized that on the outside, that was a career path that I could aspire to. And so it doesn't mean everybody makes it there, but it does mean that thinking a little broader than next quarter, next year, even in the next two years, but thinking a little bit out, because I saw a lot of my colleagues sort of bounce from job to job because they gave you 50 more bucks or three more shares or you got a little bit. And, right. and, and it didn't feel there in California, it, especially, and it didn't feel very purposeful to me. Whereas I was like, cause I spent it six opportunistic. years. It is. And I, I spent six years at, at SGI. I spent six years at VeriSign. I spent 10 years at Equinix. So I, I, I felt like, you know, if I want to be a CIO, what's a reasonable time frame? And then just say, as I make decisions, make them with that in mind. So yeah, I wanted to live and work in Europe. That was a sidestep, but I got to pull in a little bit of app work, global experience, etc. Yes. The, the application work when I came back was very much to try and ultimately do that. Well, my next job wasn't a CIO, it was VP of IT, but it was getting me further. And, and it, so it was when Equinix called that they said, hey, we, we think you're the, you'd be the perfect CIO for us because you've got this business experience in sales ops and corporate strategy and all that, but you've got a deep uh, uh, experience in, in IT. So I think it's less about when do you stop and go back to school Sure. And more about Carol Dweck's growth mindset. Mm-hmm. I think everybody listening to this should buy that book. You either buy the physical book 
or put it in your audiobook and walk and listen, which I do a lot of, Carol Dweck, D-W-E-C-K, called The Growth Mindset. All right. Having a growth that, mindset, link in the show notes. Having a growth mindset, it could lead you to school, but it could also lead you to uh, a career broadening opportunity, a uh, an in-depth read in the classics where you're doing that on your own. There's all kinds of things you can do to grow your mindset, which says, and and I'm I'm I would say I'm grounded in this principle. The a a fixed mindset. Uh, the opposite has a thing we call um, the scarcity principle Mm. where everything is a pie. And if my slice of pie is bigger, by definition, your slice of pie is smaller. The abundance principle says, how can I make the pie bigger for all of us? And, and so growth mindset abundance principle, I think changing that mindset is is what enables you to say, yeah, I can take this on. And you've never done it before. Um, it's So while I think education and school, for me, I love it. In fact, before I came to Rackspace, I was in my PhD program. Um, and uh, I, I, just, I just love school and I love learning. But it starts with a growth mindset. And, right. and that's what I would encourage listeners to do develop more than anything. I love that. And I love, you know, it seems like it's easy for a lot of people to either live in the the five to 10 year off uh, window and live there and be depressed because they're not there. Or you'll have folks who are who are opportunistic and they're they're looking at literally where the next step goes. Where do they put the next foot as opposed to the balance of of where that goes? And it goes back to, I know you spend uh, a fair amount of time outside. You love to do some hiking. There's a hike I was on one time. I was down in Mexico, and we're it was it, we were, we wanted to get to this peak by dawn, so we started at at way dark. And okay. and you know there there's all sorts of different ways you can go. You have to watch and make sure you don't fall down. But you're heading towards the top. And you don't want to fall off a cliff, but you're heading towards the top. And so it's this balance of where does my next foot go? But you also have to keep looking up to make sure you're on the right trail that's going to get totally. you to where you want to go. Totally. And so totally. a huge balance. So if we take if we take you, you said you were you were at at Equinix. No, but for you know what? But wait, can I can I comment on that? Because I yeah. think that's really I think that's absolutely spot on. I would add one thing to that using that uh, metaphor because I think yeah. this is important. You not only need to look up. I have three sons and one daughter. My three sons are Eagle Scouts. We're going to talk and, about that. I've got and, one Eagle Scout well, as well. We we talk about a moral compass. Like yeah. what is your compass? So I would say on that trail, when you got to look up, by the way, this can be used in cockpits when I was in, nav- in navigator training. You got to lift your head up out of the cockpit and look out. But but a compass that says what what is my purpose? What do I believe in? What are my core values? And say, because there's ways that you can earn money that are, that maybe don't fit your, who you are. And, right. and, and we all know that there are some that, you know, like, for example, for me personally, I would never work for a cigarette company. I couldn't do it. Yeah. Too many family and friends have died of cancer caused by smoking. I just couldn't do it for me. It's not judgmental on anybody else, but being clear of your moral compass. Because it's your compass. Because it's my compass. And And I've got to remember. You judge someone else by your compass. You judge your own outcome by your compass. That's right. And and to your point, you're looking up. Every once in a while, reach into your pocket and pull out your compass and look and say, you know what? I'm still headed true north, which, by the way, is another phenomenal book strongly recommend you put that in the show notes. It's called true North and it's the, and it's basically the journey to authentic leadership. It's by Bill George, who was a, a Harvard professor and was the CEO of Medtronic. Phenomenal book. Nice. Phenomenal book. And there's this particular graphic in there that talks about where you are in your life. Yeah. And this goes back to the age thing you mentioned early where you're at your peak leadership, frankly, is right now in, in, in my age range is peak leadership, but it's also right on the border of wisdom and generativity and giving back. Yeah. And you'll see that graph in that book. And, and so to me, how we can lead this company 
will support the thousands of Racker families that this company supports. It'll help the thousands of customers we support support their families. It'll help us as a corporation and as individuals pay taxes. It'll it'll do all the things that we need to do to be productive citizens. And and to me, that's going to be a part. And then I'll give back wherever I can. Yeah. Brian, I'll tell you, this sounds, this part of the conversation sounds like I could be sitting and talking to one of our first CEOs, Landon Napier, or Graham Weston, our original founder and, and chairman of the board for a number of years. He was as concerned about the bottom line as he was concerned about the families that it was impacting at Rackspace. And I haven't heard it expressed like this in a while, and it is extremely refreshing. I, be- I believe it with all, all my heart. That's why, that's why every, every loss that we have, I feel... Um, uh, you know, the, the problem with turnarounds is, is that you've got to take cost out that you've got to make decisions and, but we've, but we can never be anesthetized to that. I know I never will be, I never will be. And, um, and you know, this is, this is the tough part of business, but it's also, I think about the ones that you're going to save and, and hopefully will thrive. And what we'll build on the far side of it as well. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, one more quick break from the program. Now, if you've been keeping up with the news this year, you've probably heard that everyone is buzzing about AI. Well, guess what? You can achieve AI success through our transformative process of ideate, innovate, and industrialize. Get ready to revolutionize your business with FAIR, the foundry for AI by Rackspace. At FAIR, we're on a mission to accelerate the secure, responsible, and sustainable adoption of generative AI solutions across all industries. In just three weeks, our Ideate Workshop will empower you to harness the raw power of generative AI. Imagine skyrocketing productivity, driving efficiency, and reimagining business models. This is your chance to take the first step in exploring the untapped potential of generative AI for your organization. In these sessions, our team of experts will meticulously evaluate the intended and unintended consequences of integrating generative AI into your operations. We'll ensure that your data quality and integrity are top-notch, and we'll guide you in embedding your company values, fairness, and ethics into your generative AI governance and operations. Through a series of short sprints, we'll identify the most relevant and impactful generative AI solutions tailored specifically for your business. By the end of the sessions, you'll have a crystal clear understanding of how generative AI can revolutionize your organization and how your business goals can be supercharged by AI. So what are you waiting for? Visit us at fair.rackspace.com to learn more and secure your spot in our generative AI ideation workshop. FAIR, driving innovation, excellence, and unparalleled success in the thrilling world of generative AI. Yep. So you, you spend about 10 years at Equinix, and I don't want to you know, go too deep in, into all that, especially given you know, where we are on our, our time here, and I'll be conscious of that. But this is where you're, you're brought in as, as um, uh, you, uh, it, absolutely in the C-suite here. Uh, your chief people officer, chief information officer, chief CCO, you had all sorts of, of, of O's in here that you got to uh, experience. And I have to think that it's through this. And as I was looking at your at the career here, and I thought, well, that's a lot of time at Equinix. And then I think, well, now it's a bunch of board positions and, and, and such afterwards. And I keep asking my question from the moment I heard about you coming here. Why is Brian coming here? I, I, you just look at Equinix. I mean, you joined the company. Their stock was in the 40s. You left. It was in the 400s. You have to think that there's no reason that that they're, that you have to be working right now. But you really covered that very much in the beginning. You don't have to be working from a financial point of view. Yeah. Is you're working to give it away. You're, you're working on a mission. So if we take the financial aspect of why you're here, that you're giving away. So really, why are you here? <laughs> Yeah. So, so if I, I'm, I'm here by accident, to be honest, um, uh, I was in my PhD class, um, at Pepperdine and it's a class, it's a, it's a degree in global leadership and change. Okay. And, 
And I, you know, I, I felt like since I talk about leadership enough, I really should be more versed in theory, in the body of knowledge, bringing, you know, really, because I've, and, and I'm really thankful for that one quarter that I spent there. I had three classes, got all A's. Um, but uh, I really actually enjoyed it a tremendous amount. Very diverse class, age, um, ethnicity, everything. And I'm, so I'm, I'm in that class and I get a call from Egon Zender um, about a board position or, or they had heard that I was interested in looking to add a board seat because yeah. I felt like I had bandwidth and I could. And I said, yes. And I was interested in, in a particular around environmental or whatever. And, and they, the call sort of got intercepted by a guy that had put me on a board before yeah. and at Egon. And he said, Brian, uh, I hear you're looking for a board seat. Really great to catch up with you, blah, blah, blah. I really want you to consider an operational role. And I said, you know, I'm good. Yeah. I'm, I'm really good. I'm loving, I'm loving this program. Uh, I, I think, you know, board. But there's a little part in you that you always want to be on the field, be a player on the field versus just being in the grandstand, which is yeah. sort of the difference between operator and board. And, and so he goes – and so I said no three times. And the third time is he goes, listen, as a friend, just talk to him. So I said, okay, I will. And, and it was Amar. Ah, and, wow. and, um, um, yeah. Amar is very mag- yeah. He is. So our CEO, Amar Malatira, uh, is, is a f- super, super human being. He is, he is good to the core. He's a good family man. His moral compass, his, his core values. Um, and, and by the way, he really has tackled a lot in the couple of years that he's been here. And in some ways really gave us the opportunity to do the turnaround. And so as we walked through it, talked through it, um, I talked to him twice and I was like, wow, I really do like this guy. And he goes, well, why don't you go to lunch with our CTO, Srini Kaushik and our president of public cloud, DK Sinha. So I look up these guys. I'm like, wow, these guys are really, really accomplished. So I go and have lunch with them. And I'm like, oh, my God, I like these guys, too. <laughs> you wanted no. to not. You wanted like, it to be a nice I wanted, them lunch. To be, I wanted them to be jerks. And they weren't. <laughs> Damn it. And then, and then the last one that I met um, was Shashank Samant, who was the former CEO of Global Logic and is now our lead director. And, I'm, and He's we a were sharp guy. Having, Oh, not only a sharp guy, but I don't know if you know this, but like when he was the CEO of Global Logic, he personally made sure that his employees were pulled out of Ukraine safely. Wow. Like, no, there is a ton of moral fortitude and strength in this organ. And I, and I just said, well, how could I say no to these guys? And, and then obviously combine that with Rackspace is a phenomenal brand like and and those of us in it we've known them for a long time that's right and and i'm thinking damn we can fix this like we can get after this and fix it with focus dedication hard work and and making customers successful the challenge is is we're so that's why i'm here that is why i'm here no challenge great Great opportunity is what it sounds like yep and customers that deserve us they deserve us because they deserve a partner that can help them be successful. That can make them the hero of their own story. Like that is what, and, and, and again, I want to make, create jobs for a lot of people, for a lot of rackers. That's exciting. So uh, you, you, of course, I love the conversation we had about the moral compass. Obviously that goes back. You mentioned in the context of that, uh, your three sons and uh, the fact that they are all uh, Eagle Scouts. And that's not to uh, put any light on, or, you know, not shine a light on your daughter who is running marathons and other amazing yeah, things. Yeah, my, my daughter is phenomenal. And she was like bummed, like, well, why can't I be an Eagle Scout? But she just graduated with her master's in genetic counseling from BU, moving to Austin to work at Dell Medical Center. She is an absolute, frankly, badass. And I love her. Yeah. So this is not to not shine a light on my daughter. That's right. But, but it, but I really, what I want to do is I wanted to bring her into this because I wanted to, to, 
talk about your family for just a second. So, um, you know, it is an unusual thing to find these days with a man who's been married to one, one woman for a really long time. <laughs> My wife yeah. and I are about to cross 30 years and more and more, that is an unusual thing that you find. And I think that that creates, I don't think, I know that, um, that that builds a heritage and that builds strength in families. And that's evident in, in yours. Now, how did you get three sons through an Eagle Scout? I got one of my two through and uh, my first was well, just not interested. No, but the well, let me, no, let me, let me tell you, I give, I give all, all the credit to my lovely wife. Um, we will hit 35 years in November. Congrats. Um, Jill and I met um, uh, and, you know, fell in love as friends. And, and then, you know, we just, it, it was just a match made in heaven. And, and we have these four kids and these four kids are wonderful. Uh, Nick, Natalie, Jake, and Josh. And, um, and uh, Nick, Jake, and Josh, uh, it was Nick that led the way because he wasn't even, he was barely even a scout. And then a month before Philmont, he wanted to go on the hike and he had to get in shape. He was always, my kids are athletes. Nick played college baseball and we, we, um, uh, he decided to do it. He got ready, he took the physical, got the gear and he did film on. And, th and then he was hooked. He would go wow. backpacking. He became a master scuba diver. He, he became so into now he's a mountain climber. He did AMA, he did Cotopaxi and he's even put in the next five years, uh, Everest. So, so he led the way. And then Jake, Jake is just a, um, he, he is the guy that you want to, if you're ever in dire need, Jake's the guy you want to call because, He's, uh, he's, he's just an amazing heart. He's the fireman in all of us. Um, and then Josh, Josh is, uh, is really, really focused. He's 20. Uh, he's going to be a freshman this year. He already did his freshman year at Claremont McKenna, but he's moved to mm -hmm. Colorado, wants to be in design and build things, which is awesome. Not an econ yeah. guy like his older brother and a history major like his brother. But the bottom line is, is these guys we're so tight as brothers. They grew up in bunk beds together. Uh, and, and family to me is everything. And, yeah. you know, you, it, it gives you a foundation and a strength and then how you can extend that via love and honor to, to your work family, to your friends and to build this community. In fact, there's a really good website called weareweavers.org and it's run by David, um, Oh, what's David's last name? David Brooks. He wrote a book called Your Second Mountain, um, which is about sort of what do you do after you've done the thing you've done first and maybe fallen, maybe fired, maybe gotten divorced, whatever. How yeah. do you climb that second mountain? And he thinks that this generation's number one um, uh, thing to overcome is a lack of connection. And so he's cre he created this foundation called We Are Weavers about how do we weave society back together again and to me it starts with family and what can emanate from that and so uh so yeah i i, I love my family dearly and um i expect to be 65 years married to jill there you go i feel the same way um so so the metaphor of the compass came up you know about halfway into this and i'm starting to get the sense of um what those points are in your compass so family is one of those points that you're going to judge the, the road you're on, the trail that you're on. And, and is it aligning to, to who you are as a family man? Um, people around you, I think, in the way they're being treated and the way that they feel valued is one of those points that are on there. Is there any other points on your compass that you're going to use to grade your current situation that you're in or, or an opportunity you might have? Yeah, I, it's it's um, it's such a good question. I I have four really key core values, and and they're somewhat allied to the compass. And they they, but I would say as you've laid them out, uh, family is is absolutely one of the points on the compass. Uh, I've coached my kids for twenty years. That's why my my emails Coach Lily. Um, uh, so family uh, is for sure. Then there's relationships as opposed to people, just relationships yeah. that are, that are outside your, your, um, atomic family, you know, in fact, there's a great book called illusions, the adventures of a reluctant Messiah. And it's by Richard Bach who wrote Jonathan Levinson Siegel. And in that book, he says, he's got a quote on there that says, rarely do members of the same family grow up under the same roof. 
<laughs> so, so I think I think if we could extend how we feel about our family to others and and really help one another, we can make a difference in the world. Again, we are weavers. Another one is faith. Uh, very faith based. Uh, I wouldn't be here where I am without my faith. Um, and by the way, I believe in uh, that. There's many many ways to climb a mountain. So I am not a pound the table must be, but rather. Um, faith-based that I, I believe I'm, I'm here for a reason and and what that reason is sometimes I don't know but I do know that that being um, uh, someone that can rely on God and faith is is uh, a key part of who I am and then right, I, I, read, said, I, read a, I read a quote earlier that said um, as it relates to faith and, and God, and you're not knowing if you're supposed to be there or not or why you're there, but walk into a room, walk into every room like God sent you there. Ha! I love it. I love it. I love All right, it. Those, those are three. Give me the last that's, one. That's three. And the, the, the last one is, is, is how can I leave this place better than when I found it? And that, that's sort of like an Eagle Scout principle, yeah. right? But it's, but it's how can you help? How can you help others flourish? And, and it really is about the world. It's about, you know, not being a spectator, but being on the field. It's, the, it's my favorite quote of all time, Teddy Roosevelt, the, the, the person in the arena, you know, marred with dust and sweat and blood. And, and, and yet you're going you're gonna to either die trying or in the end be triumphant and never be on the sidelines with those cold, timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. I, I, I never want to be on that sideline. You need to be the person in the arena. And so be an active participant in the world, the community, your family, your friends, um, and, and leave this place better than when you found it. Those are four solid points of the compass. Um, and I love the analogy because the, the compass transcends your situation. The compass transcends your location and it transcends any situation you might even be in because it allows you to get back to who is core of who you are. So, yes. And it helps, it helps orient, you know, am I behaving the right way? And by the way, none of us are perfect, me least of all. And you're like, wow, my behavior in that situation was not in accordance with who I am or who I want to be. And so, and so, you know, say, uh, what is it? Uh, I had a leader tell me, um, shoulder the blame and share the credit, yeah. right? Um, uh, you know, be the first to say, it, you know, my bad, it, it's, it's okay. Yeah. So I've got, we've made it through like the first three notes I had. I wanted to talk about this. We're, we're 50 minutes into this and uh, I think I'm respectful of your time. Um, so obviously that means there's going to be a, an episode two coming up sometime in the future. Well, and, and maybe we'll talk about more tech and, and all that other stuff. But this, this to me is foundational. This is, um, I got to meet Lanham for the first time. Isn't he awesome? And, Oh, he's awesome. And somebody told me they, they, you know, this was a compliment. They said, you remind me a little bit of him. There's and, some land in you for sure. And, and I, and I just was touched by that because of what he built and created and, and who he is, everything I've heard about him. Um, but it is foundational for people to know. And by the way, you have this interview with Amar or DK or Srini or Kelly or Mike Bross or Casey. These are all really good people yeah. with strong foundations. And I think you'll see a, you'll be able to weave this golden thread uh, through it, which is what makes this possible. It's really what makes this possible. And it because the Rackers are here and have been here, we need to... Do our part. Well, I've said this to folks recently, uh, and you know there there have been a lot of different leaders that have come come and gone through the years, and leadership teams that have come and gone through the years, and you can have folks that that are good individuals, but maybe they're not gelling as as a team, and there could be a lot of different reasons for that. And the market dynamics have changed, but I really feel like not only with the opportunity that exists in this market for this service that we provide, the core thing that this company does, I think there's a massive demand for it. But I believe that the quality of the individuals who are helping to lead this company uh, and the, the thousands that report to them is, is use the term lightly, but I would say unparalleled. And so the opportunity is ours to go do. 
and uh, and so I'm grateful that you have you have volunteered. You're volunteering your best every day for us here, as Lanham used to always say. Well, and hold me accountable to that. That's what I tell the my private cloud rackers and really all rackers. Hold me accountable to a standard. And, and I will do my best to live up to it. Uh, I, I certainly have my own standard, but you set whatever high bar you want and, uh, and expect it out of me, expect it out of the leadership team. That is what we're here to do, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, as, as, as authentic and, you know, transformational and even servant leaders. That's what we need to do. Yeah. All right. Last question. How competitive does it get with DK and trying to show him up on his fancy private public cloud stuff? You, you know, it's it's funny you say that. So DK, uh, he is such a gentleman. He is You're so, right. and he's got that smooth, beautiful voice. And of course, he's got <laughs> like five, like ten feet like, tall. He's like twice as tall as me, and I'm like, oh, if I could be like DK. Um, no, it is it is honestly not competitive. I was worried that it might. It's yeah. not. It's he he you know, if there's some spat going on somewhere in the org, he calls me and goes, Hey Brian, we got this thing. Let's you and I go in together and sort it out. Or he is he is the best partner I could imagine in this. And I say that in uh in all sincerity. Um and, you know, what, what I know will happen is this. There will be quarters when private cloud is down and there will be quarters when public cloud is up and vice versa. And I think what we have to do is wear a big badge that says one rack space mm-hmm. and, and say, I'm going to go and speak to a customer. Like, for example, I just went back east. I was back there for my daughter's graduation from BU and I came in a day early so that I could be there for a private equity conference. That was a public cloud focused conference. And, but DK couldn't be there. And I said, I got you. So I hosted a panel with his head of sales, JT. And, um, and, and that was, yes. Will there be some business that comes out of that with private cloud? Maybe, but that's the kind of stuff. And by the way, DK has gone on more private cloud calls than I've done public cloud calls. So I, he, he actually has done more than I've done for him. And so I need to, I need to step up my game, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's truly a partnership. Love the guy. Well, Brian, thank you so much for taking the time. I don't know where an hour went, but it has gone. And, uh, and thanks so much for being here. Thanks for volunteering to, to be a racker. Hey, thank you very much for this opportunity and, and, um, God bless everybody. And let's, let's go get this done. Let's go get this done. Let's bring Rackspace back. This has been Cloud Talk. You can find Cloud Talk wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And be sure to check out more content from Rackspace Solve at solve.rackspace.com. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as, well, I enjoyed getting to talk to Brian. Now we've got more episodes coming up. So, uh, well, stay subscribed. Share this one with a friend if you wouldn't mind. And if you're enjoying them, well, give us one of those five-star reviews. It really does help us get this message out. Now, if you're not already a part of our Tuesday mornings, that's right, every Tuesday morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time is Cloud Talk Live. That's right, on LinkedIn, that's where it all happens. So follow the Rackspace hashtag, follow me on LinkedIn, and you'll see all the times we're going live. 8.30 a.m. Central Time on LinkedIn. You can also find it on YouTube. Now, lastly, we've got lots of new episodes coming up, new people that I'm interviewing for this audio-only podcast. So it's important, if you're enjoying the live streams, stay subscribed here. If you're here, well, maybe also start watching those live streams as well. All right, everyone, I hope you have a great rest of your day. It's really been a pleasure to get to spend the last, oh, 58 or so minutes with you inside your ears. So have a great day. I'm Jeff Deverter for Cloud Talk.